You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers hold off an undermanned Wright State team, eighty-nine to eighty, in a game that puts Indiana now three and zero on the young season. You know, we talked a lot in the off season about how you know these games against Florida Gulf Coast and Wright State were going to be more challenging than the typical season-opening games that Indiana has faced, and they may be a little closer than IU fans would have wanted. And certainly, that is what has happened. Didn't expect the Army game to be quite as close. Um, but that is what we've seen. And we've seen this Indiana team really be in 35 to 40-minute games uh, three straight times. And to their credit, they've been able to win. And that is clearly the most important stat coming out of this game is that Indiana is 3-0. and And I think, you know, we're obviously going to break down every element of this game. You know, if you're looking for a team that is getting better and that improved in certain areas, I think you can – say that you saw enough in this game to walk away pleased and feeling like some progress was made. But I think as we'll discuss, if you're looking for a team that seems ready to compete with UConn on a neutral court, maybe not, especially if this injury to Xavier Johnson uh, lingers. And so we're going to break down those positives and those negatives here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I am here with Ryan Phillips, the coach Brian Tonsoni, and perhaps even the coach Tony Adrania uh, may pop on with us a little bit later. But Ryan, let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Uh, obviously, you know, again, in a game like this, you're just trying to avoid big injuries, and X has given us another scare. The first time he went down this season, it was just cramping. We will wait to see, but I will say that I certainly take at least a little positive from it that he stayed on the bench and was walking through the handshake line which with what didn't look like a crazy limp. So that's at least good news um, initially, but we'll have to wait and see what the actual diagnosis is because uh, we all know how important he is to Indiana. But in terms of actual on-court play for the Banner moment, I'm going to go back to about the five-minute mark of the second half. And, you know, still somehow Wright State without it, one of its top players, the guard who was out, uh, and with Tanner Holden, uh, their other, you know, big time player and big scorer who played terrific tonight, saddled with four fouls, somehow they were able to keep this a five point game. It was 73 to 68. Indiana's got this offensive possession that is going nowhere. And so they do really what they do best still, which is dump it into Malik Renew. He was on the right block. He goes left, makes a nice little running jump hook. That puts Indiana up 75-68. They go down and force a stop. On the next possession, same thing. Malik on the right block. He goes left, hits that little jump hook. It puts Indiana up nine, uh, and the defense would go force another turnover right after that. And that really was the stretch that pushed the lead out enough for Indiana uh, you know, to, to gain firm control of the game. Right State, I think they might have gotten it back to seven uh, at 78-71 a little bit later. But that was as close as they would get. And then a few possessions after the two that I just talked about with Renew, Wright State decides to send a double when he gets it on the right block. Malik stays patient, finds Khalil Ware on the other block for a nice little layup. And so you saw from Malik 
the skills that we know he has, that ability to score on the block, although the running hook, you know, from five, six feet is a new wrinkle that we haven't really seen. It was beautiful, Jared. Just it it was was beautiful. beautiful. It was beautiful. No, it was definitely beautiful. And the vision and the passing, you know, I think as we'll talk about, I think there have been some times where Malik's gotten it in the post and he hasn't been decisive enough on kicking it out. On that possession, he read the double team, knew where where would be, made that decisive pass, and it led to a bucket. And so I think Malik you know, really, you know, didn't lead Indiana in scoring, didn't lead Indiana in rebounds, but when they really needed something to get going offensively to seal this game, he's the guy they went to, and he responded, as he has done several times now here early in the season. All right, that's our banner moment. Now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And with IU being their flagship school, it's great because anytime they try something new like the snapback hats or the bomber jackets or whatever it is, IU's always kind of in that first test group. So we're always getting the cool stuff. Uh, my item of choice for this evening is the Indiana crew neck. It's a nice, you know, cold day here in Texas. Well, I mean, it's 60. That's not really cold. Uh, but it's a little chilly here, you know, and so it's a nice day for the crew neck. So I decided to wear this. By the way, one of the underrated elements of the crew neck, I don't know if you're anything like me, I hate long sleeves and I love rolling this up. It's got the nice deep crimson color when you roll it up, really accents the red of the crew neck. And it's those little details that make home field so great, whether it's IU gear, gear for another school, their cult stuff, even stuff from their core collection. The materials are high quality. They're comfortable. The colors last through many washings. And as we've often said, if you're looking to knock a whole bunch of people off your Christmas list, go to Home Field Apparel because there's probably something for everybody there. And when you do, use our promo code HOME23. You will get 15% off your entire first order. That is promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Again, the website homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Ryan, we will go to you, your rant uh, on this uh, Indiana performance. Look, it's great to get the win and everything, but I'm going to harp on the thing we've been complaining about. One, the three-point defense is atrocious, and two, Indiana can't answer it. And, And that's a massive, massive problem for this program they were minus 24 from the three-point line, and they're able to win in the post because the teams they're playing do not have size to match. That's going to end very quickly. I think I don't think people realize how quickly this season's going to get real. They play UConn on Sunday, who's number five in the defending national champions, and has the talent to match Indiana, obviously. That's right now looking like it's going to be a rough game. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Maybe they step up their ability in that big game. We don't know. Then they play Harvard, who's dropping 80 points a game on teams. Now, again, against lesser competition, but still, it's not an easy game. And then they play Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, and Kansas. There is a non-zero chance that if they play the way they're playing, they drop six in a row. I mean, they are not playing well. The defense on the perimeter is awful. And then on top of that, again, we do not, run anything for three-point shooters we do not try and get three-point shooters open and this has been we've been begging for an offense to focus on the three-point line and maximizing your uh, the availability of the three-point line for damn near seven years and it just hasn't happened for whatever in this program indiana made three three three-pointers tonight 
in an entire 40 minute basketball game and they didn't make any in the second half. That's they were three of 16. They were 0 of eight in the second half, three of eight in the first half shooting 16 isn't even enough. And the thing is a lot of those threes, the reason why they were misses is they all felt like forces late in the, uh, most of them felt like forces late in the clock. Trey Galloway tried to step back. Like, what do you do? Like, run a guy off a screen for a three. I mean, with so much focus on the paint, it would make life so much easier for everybody if they could find run a play occasionally to get a three-point shooter open. The only way three-point shooters get open in this offense is off a ball reversal, a dribble that opens something up and a throwback or anything. That's it. And it's we heard all offseason. I've harped on this. We heard all offseason. Well, the offense is going to be different. We're going to spread things out. We did that because we had Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, and that was who we had. So we had to build the offense around them. It's the same offense, guys. It's the exact same offense. There's little wrinkles here or there that they're running differently, but it's essentially the same offense. And these are players they did not inherit. They're players they brought in. So you had a chance to build what exactly what you wanted, and you took what you built and put the same thing in. And so that's wildly concerning because if you are losing the three-point line that badly against Wright State, whose backcourt had not hit a three on the season, it, this season's going to get real rough. And I'm not saying that's where it's going to go. Maybe this turns around. I, it, it's totally possible that's the case. But through three games, it does not look good. And it does not look like anything has changed, despite cries from everybody that this program this university like whatever has to modernize and take advantage of the extra point you get from stepping 10 further feet out and it's just not happening and and it's really concerning for where the season's going to go you know you make a lot of good points there and i know there's probably some people listening that are saying geez didn't we just win a game by nine points and the answer to that is yes but you know it is important to keep it into context here early in the season how good these teams are that you're playing. You know, as we mentioned, Wright State was missing its top scoring guard. Uh, and so this is a game you know, where they came in, I think, ranked 160th. And Ken Palm, Indiana, was supposed to win by 11. That projection would have been much higher if that guy was playing. Yep. And instead, what happened is, you know, there's a guard for Wright State who entered the game with an offensive rating of zero on the season and scored 25 points and went seven of 10 from the three-point line. And, you know, what, what concerns me, Ryan, look, we, you know, we've seen this from this defense. We know that it's, it's the flaw, it, it's, right? Now. it's one of the weaknesses that this defense has. We saw it last year. It seems to be exacerbated right now with a lot of new uh, guys in new roles, you know, young guys trying to learn it. And that's fine. We know there's going to be some slippage there. Of the problem course. is, boy, it looks like more than just slippage, you know, and that's, that's, I think part of the issue is you, you try to project, okay, how is this going to get better? And it has to get a lot better by Sunday. And so that's where some of the pessimism comes in, is you would well, like the to other... see a team that looks a little bit more prepared for the competition to step up. Well, and, and again, I, I've heard from people, you know, hey, the point of offense is to is, is to score points however you can do it. And they scored 89 points. Like some people were, were on Twitter or whatever and, and, you know, saying a lot, a lot of they scored a lot of points. What do you care? Well, they're scoring a lot of points because they have players that are bigger than everybody else. And it's much easier for them to work in the paint against a right state, against an army, against teams like that. The key with when these they, games is always what's translatable to better competition. Exactly. And it's yeah. against UConn, against Kansas, against 
Auburn, against Michigan, you're not going to have that advantage. So your offense has to create the opportunities for your players as opposed to your players just out-talenting, out-sizing, out-everything. Now, they'll get where will get some points this year because he's seven feet and he'll be facing a guy who's 6'9 or 6'10. That will happen, but it's not going to happen as easily as we're seeing it happen here. And that's the concern moving forward. It's You're right. It's not what they did in the game. It's especially in these games, what matters, it's just like in the exhibitions, you know, it's not that they won those games. It's okay. What from those games against a division two team and an NAI team is translatable long-term. And that's the same with a lot of these non-conference games is what can you take from this that you can move forward with? And if you think that, you know, against UConn, you're going to score 56 points in the paint, uh, you might, but that might be the only 56 points you score. You know, I mean, like it's so again, it's just what you're looking at projecting forward and and how this is applicable moving forward. And if they played right state every game, cool. Same game plan. I don't care. You know, I play a little better defense and I'll feel better about it. But that's not going to happen. They're going to play much, much, much better teams moving forward. And if this is the pattern, it is concerning because they're not even running stuff to get you to get used to running it in those games. You know, it's not like they're, you know, you're seeing some stuff running and, and oh, well, you know, had this guy hit this screen at this point or whatever, you get the open three, they'll, they'll get, they'll get better at it. Like there's nothing going on. And so that's my concern. The frustrating part is they did run one play to get Mbako an open shot after he'd made that baseline jumper and where I think had committed a moving screen. So, yes. So we didn't yeah. even get to there see was one. Play out. That's true. There was one. Um, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Tony Adranya, he of IU Film Room fame, wearing his Hurry and Hoosier snapback hat, driving home from Assembly Hall. Uh, Tony, how you doing? We'll just check your audio live here. Doing well. How you doing? We're good. And I promise we're going to talk about some of the positives because there were some positives to come out of this. Um, But Tony, you were there. Give us your thoughts, you know, actually being there, your overall thoughts on this IU performance. Yeah, I I tweeted it too. And, you know, I I said my concern level continues to rise. Um, You know, know. after the Florida Gulf Coast game, I kind of said, you know, miss me with the negativity. I got to win against a pretty good mid-major first game of the season. Um, you know, army, it was kind of like, man, um, you know, that was a pretty bad team and, you know, they hung around and, but I, you got the win. And then today it was, it was a little bit different in the sense that, you know, I use offense certainly looked pretty good, um, you know, in, in terms of scoring the basketball, but the defensive breakdowns, and I even tweeted this after the army game, the defense is what could concern me. And, you know, somebody, Somebody actually nudged me in the bathroom and was like, you think UConn could put up 150? And, you know, that that is concerning. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to single people out, but, man, McKenzie and Baco just – He's struggling. Out there. Yeah, he's, he's really struggling. And, um, you know, I, I don't know – I don't know how you fix it, I guess, is my thing. Because I, I think Woody certainly wants to – play his system like I don't think he's gonna dumb down his system for dumb down's a bad term like you know make it more elementary um you know he he wants guys to learn his system and it just does not look good on the defensive end and again the positives were offense I was able to get whatever they wanted even when they they uh missed shots they got great looks um you know there was pretty much no concerns from IU on the offensive end today. 
in terms of just being able to score the ball. But defensively is really where I'm just – I'm really at a loss with this group. I mean, I, I remember texting some friends at one point this offseason. It was like, man, with the length that this IU team has, like there might be teams that just can't score against IU. And, you know, just that has not come to fruition, obviously, in these first few games. And that's where my big concern lies with this IU team, especially heading into the contest on Sunday. Hold the thought on Mbako because we're going to talk about him in meaningful moments because I think there was a lot there to unpack. Not all of it was bad. I think McKenzie did respond to what Mike Woodson was talking about in terms of effort for a lot of the game, not all of it. So we're going to we're going to break that down. But, you know, when we talk defensively, Ryan, I mean, you know, I think Khalil Ware is doing a nice job, obviously, protecting the rim and altering shots. That part is, is you know, pretty good. We know about some of the challenges Malik Renew has when he's you know guarding out in space. I'll tell you the thing that I've maybe been more concerned about than anything is I don't think X and Trey have been as dominant on the perimeter against, again, less dynamic competition than they're going to be facing moving forward as I would have expected. Because for this defense to work, you have to contain dribblers better than Indiana has because you just get in all kinds of rotations. you know. And I think those guys have been okay, but they haven't been... They haven't been as good as I would expect against this level of competition. Is that fair, you think? Because that was yes. always a big part of why this defense was going to work is, hey, we've got the best defensive duo in the conference. I don't think they've played like that to this point. Well, this defense has to work as a unit. And so individually, I mean, Gabe Cups has been great getting into guys individually, but if the guys don't all rotate and switch at the same time and they're not all on the same page, it doesn't matter. How, how good you play individually. And so this is very much a team defense. And I, I do think that I think, I think X and, and Trey have uh, like, um, I don't know. I like, like have, have a struggle both ways. And, and I think, you know, Trey tonight had eight of 10 from the free throw line that saved his line. I mean, he would have had about seven points without the free throw line. Um, you know, he did have six assists, which was nice, but you score 89 points. You expect that to happen from your veterans. I think they've struggled both ways and I think both players get their energy on defense. And so I think that makes sense, but this is a team defense with all the switching and all the communicating that needs to happen. And so therefore it can take your best defenders onto their back foot. If everybody else isn't competing at the same level. And so I do think that's been part of it. And, and, you know, Khalil Ware has been able to anchor them a little at the back um, just with a shot altering ability. Forget the blocks, but just, you know, people knowing they're going up against a seven footer will put it in the back of your mind. And people aren't finishing around the rim very well against Indiana when he's on the floor. That said, you got to get the rest of the parts right. So they're not getting open looks from the perimeter. And that's just not happening for Indiana. Yeah. All right. Right. I know you got to step away for just a minute. You know, and, and, and Tony, the other thing is, too, I mean, Khalil's going to be a terrific rim protector all season long. But you start facing the Donovan Klingons of the world, as Indiana's going to do against UConn, you're going to face people that are going to be able to score inside more. you know. And so that perimeter defense is going to have to be more locked in. you know. And, and I think it, it's perfectly fair to, you know, to have critical comments about McKenzie and Baco. He's struggling. You know, a lot of those wing guys you know, seem to be struggling with, you know, when do I help? How far do I go on help? You know, and then I've got to get back. What are you seeing? you know, as some of the main culprits for why this defense just seems to, to be struggling so much? Yeah, the number one thing is ball screen defense. Um, you know, there, there's kind of that talk of nail slot rim. Like maybe Ooh, Trace Jackson Davis kind of um, put out into the universe where we kind of learn what Woody called his ball screen defense with that nail slot rim. Um, but 
you know, they're the guys are flat footed. Like, even if you're going to overhelp, like where you, you put that guy at the nail and you put that guy in the slot where, you know, the guy's coming off the ball screen and basically the next pass away is overhelping by design. Um, you know, that's, that's by design in their system. Well, he's also flat footed. So there's no even like a stunt and recover. It's like, he's flat footed on his heels. So the ball moves faster than, you know, man. So if somebody's hitting that next pass away, that guy's wide open. Like it's a knockdown shot. And so that was a big one. Um, you know, it's something that I highlighted in the film room. I was getting burned on that literally called the burn cut where the guy was cutting through the lane and, um, you know, the guy in the slot was, was losing his man. And so like, that was a big thing, but honestly tonight, and I tweeted this and again, this is, this is a criticism of a micro for Woody. Like somebody tweeted like, yeah. And you say he's the guy. Woody absolutely to me is the guy in the macro picture. He can make micro mistakes and still be the macro guy. And, and I think it's fair to, to like call that out. Um, the, the micro mistake to me tonight was, IU had all the momentum. They were up, you know, 11, 12 points. Um, and he put this, the full second unit in, all 10, all five guys. Yes. And th- the second unit was, the second unit was fine. Like they, they actually didn't play poorly. I think they maintained the lead at 12, 13 points, maybe even got it to 15. However, you put that starting group back in, it's really hard to maintain your intensity when you've sat for five minutes, especially as a unit. And that's five game minutes. So, you know, you're, you're talking, 10, 10 to 12 minutes of like at real time, you've just sat and watched, you've lost your intensity. There's nobody to kind of like give you that spark. Cause there's nobody that's been on the floor for that entire time. And like the rest of the game was never the same. And again, that's, that's not me trying to say like what he doesn't know what he's doing. So I don't want it to come across that way. But to me, that was the biggest mistake in the game. And that was the biggest changing point in the game. It wasn't actually when the, the second five went in it was when the first five came back and it's it's just really hard it's human nature to like maintain that that momentum that you had so that that part to me was like a game-changing moment I think it was 28 to 13 with 10 minutes left yeah Wright State was on pace to score 52 points IU's defense was clicking as well as their offense and it just never was able to get that back Coach Tonsoni is supposed to be here in a little bit. I guarantee you he's going to make this point because he was talking about it in Discord, you know, about how the starters sat too long and got out of their rhythm. And I know that can sound like an excuse, but it's just the reality of it. And Tony, you know, really Woody's kind of going back to what he did the first year where he would do the full line change in the first half. And then in the second half, you know, especially in a close game, you whittle that down, you know, and you play with, you know, kind of your winning unit or your winning seven to eight man lineup. And I just... I don't like the line changes because those those five guys against a good team, those five guys are rarely going to be playing with each other. They're going to be sprinkled in, commingled with the starters. So I just I get why teams do it in the NBA some in a longer game with, you know, all guys who are multi-talented. You don't have that in, you know, with a college roster. And I feel like you're not really preparing those guys for the roles they're going to be playing in more competitive games. So it's a little nitpick. It's a philosophical difference, but I I agree with you. I thought in today's game, you really saw what the impact of that can be, which I thought was a team that really started out. Well, it was one of the most important things I wanted to see. Can the starters get off to a good start? I thought they did. I thought McKenzie and defense was much better early on. He was able to score. We'll talk about that here coming up. You know, and and Wright State really wasn't shooting a lot of threes early. You know, then it was kind of a combination of, okay, 
The defense got a little flatter, and Wright State was like, oh, yeah, we're playing Indiana. Let's start taking some threes. And it did. It all, you know, those good feelings from the first, you know, eight to ten minutes of the game evaporated quickly, which is disappointing. And it's kind of that whack-a-mole thing. It's like, okay, we fixed this one problem that had been happening, but, you know, you're going to have to play 35 to 40 really strong minutes to compete with a team like UConn. And right now this team is able to do it in spurts, but they just don't seem to have, you know, the focus and the fundamentals to do it consistently. You know, you mentioned something else there that I thought was really interesting about the defense. You know, it is obviously the scheme, the way that it's set up is going to give up some threes, but it also seems to be exacerbated by some fundamental challenges of, you know, guys not being low enough in a stance to be able to stunt down and then get back. You know, one thing you always remember about Miller Cop when you would watch him, he's always hopping on the balls of his feet, you know, and that's and he was in a stance and he was ready to go. And so he could help compensate for his lack of athletic ability by at least being low and ready to move and ready to go. And that's something with a guy like Mbako, who probably hasn't had to play a lot of defense in his career. You're not seeing those. It's more straight legged on the heels of his feet rather than on the balls of, of your feet. And so those it just seems like to me that stuff is just getting exacerbated into this, you know, defensive stew that is really allowing opponents when they're patient to kind of get whatever shot they want. And Indiana hasn't really faced a good offense yet. And so if people are wondering why we're a little concerned, I would say that whole mixture is why we're concerned. Anyway, thoughts on that, Tony, and then we'll break and go to segment two. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. That's that's why, you know, I kind of said my concern level continues to rise a bit. Um, you know, I I had mentioned in our, our Discord that, you know, Wright State actually attempted fewer threes per field goal attempt than IU did coming into this game. I said, you know, if, if they go off from three, it might be time to sound the alarm. Um, they kind of did. And... There you go. There it is. <laughs> and and it's it's weird to me. And I, you know, I was mentioning my buddy that went to the game with me. Is it's in a weird way like these mid major offenses. I almost feel like we're not going to see the same thing from UConn. Like I I don't it, I don't even know how to explain it. But like these mid major offenses know like to be in the game with Indiana, we're going to have to shoot way more threes and kind of play a style that we're not used to playing and with like a Yukon, they're going to think like we're better than Indiana. So we're going to do what we do and whatever the case may be, like we're going to run our offense and, you know, it, I may be talking out of my butt here and they may make 33s, but like <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a weird, like, I don't know. I know what you mean. Weird, like internal to me that it's like these, these opponents that I use playing right now, like, they're shooting more threes and then they get some confidence because I use terrible at guarding it right now. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, it compounds itself. We're like, UConn might just like, we're going to do what we do. And, you know, it's, it's a weird, I, I'm not making a lot of sense here probably, but anyway, are you driving, um, are you driving the car right now? Yeah, I know. It's okay. See, you got to focus on the road. It's hard to do both. So we'll get, we'll give you a little exactly. bit of leeway. It's okay. Appreciate it. 
um, all right. So we're going to, we're going to break here and go to um, meaningful moments here in just a second. I do want to remind everyone and thank everyone for your support and participation in the event that we had on Tuesday uh, in conjunction with Hoosiers connect Indiana's largest day of NIL support. You know, we were fortunate to be able to help out with that. I was fortunate enough to be on a couple of the interviews late in the night. Galen uh, from Crimson cast just did so much to make that happen along with so many great students, uh, Ali and Maria at Hoosiers connect. The thing I don't think people understand is that is still going on. So we did that for one day, but there is a million-dollar match out there. Now, we raised $500,000 on Tuesday. That will be matched. There's another $500,000 worth of donation matches to, to still make. And so if you haven't donated yet, you can go to inforindiana.com. It will still be matched. It still counts. And if there's anybody that didn't participate, maybe didn't hear about it, that you think would participate, send them an email. Say, go to inforindiana.com, explain to them the importance of NIL in this new reality of college sports, continue participating. We'll keep talking about it because, hey, if someone's willing to match a million dollars, let's make sure that we get up to uh, a million dollars. So that is all still going on. You can go to inforindiana.com to get more information. All right. As we continue our breakdown of Indiana's nine-point victory over Wright State, we will point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed. Then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game and probably talk to Coach Tonsoni. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Tony Adranya and Ryan Phillips awaiting the arrival of Coach Tonsoni, who is at the press conferences right now. But it is the top of segment two, and you know what that means. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yes, it is time for tonight's Meaningful Moments You Might Have Missed, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. I know they have some tickets for the IU-Michigan State football game coming up this weekend, so if you're looking to go to that, reach out. Uh, that's something immediate they can help you out with. 
All right, uh, Ryan and Tony, let's let's talk about McKenzie and Baco first. All right, Ryan, and there were two stretches that I thought were really indicative of his game. The first one came early, um, around the 16-minute mark. You know, <laughs> McKenzie drew the assignment of Tanner Holden, uh, which was somewhat unfortunate for him, I suppose. Holden is a veteran, a crafty guy, and really was able to use McKenzie's inexperience against him. But even though he was scoring on McKenzie, I thought he really competed hard with him early in the game. You know, and Holden got a couple buckets. But what was nice is McKenzie came back and scored on his own. You know, he hit that little layup earlier. Uh, then after one of Holden's buckets, Indiana pushed after the make. And Mbako made a very Christian Watford-esque three-pointer in, you know, in transition from the left wing. And it was great to see. And that, to me, is the path for him being a net positive for IU. He's going to give up some points, even when he's playing hard and engaged like he was early. But on the other end, he can make up for it and score more. And so I thought that was terrific to see from him early in the game, a guy who really looked like he was responding to coaching, able to get himself going offensively and competed, albeit in a tough defensive matchup that he probably wasn't going to win. But then late in the game, you saw a guy who, you know, he got five three-point attempts in the second half. Several of them were open. He just couldn't make them. And he seemed to kind of I didn't have a back. problem with I didn't have a problem None. with any of those shots. None of them. No, they're all good they're shots. And him taking seven threes, I think, is a positive in this game. He's gonna do better than one for seven most nights. But on that, you know, he he got a wide open one from the corner. He misses it. Uh Khalil Ware got the rebound and scored. But, you know, McKenzie kind of hung his head a little bit, didn't hustle back in transition. Right state goes the other way and gets an easy bucket. Next possession, he gets sucked in to help, you know, leaves his man open for three. They drill it in his face. And so kind of what you're going to face some from a freshman, you know, where you have the good stretch early, the bad stretch late. I think overall, this was a step in the right direction for him, able to get himself going offensively and play a little better defensively. But also, as you saw in the second half, still a long way to go. How would you assess the night for McKenzie and Baco? Yeah, up and down. Um, I, I thought he started the game really well. I thought he 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 came out to score and he came out to assert himself on offense, and he did right away. Um, you know, but then you look and he finished with thirteen points, three of nine from the field. He hit all of his free throws, uh, so he took advantage of the free throw line, which in IU history, recent history, doesn't always happen. There were twenty of thirty two tonight. Again, another area that needs to be a focus and and worked on, um, but. I think that you did see him have his struggles on defense. And there were a couple of times where, you know, the ball went into the post and he went, he like sort of reached down to try and get a steal or something like that, left his guy who had already hit a couple threes. And there was a quick pass out to his guy who hit a three on him, you know? And it was just kind of like that awareness needs to be there. Like there's no, you've got two massive players in the post who are going to help defend the post. They don't need your help. You know, you need to be on your guy. And you saw that happen to him a couple times. You saw him get lost in the rotations a couple times. And and you're right, as a freshman, that's going to happen. You know, I. It, but what you'd like to see is game to game growth. At times, he looked a little better tonight. Certainly better on offense. He looked like he was a part of the flow offensively. You saw him get frustrated with some fouls and stuff like that, and talk to officials and not anything bad. But you saw him kind of being like, "What what I do?" and 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 things like that. It's like you probably did something. You're a freshman. Uh, you know, I mean, just accept it and move on. Um, so I, I, again, a better night for him, but still, I, I do think that you're, you're going to need to see that defensive growth from him sooner rather than later, because as I said, it's open the show, the schedule gets real now. I mean, it's, it's going to be real and the, 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 it's going to come flying at him. 
and he's gonna have to gonna have to step up because they need Tony, him. I mean, they need him. Yeah, Tony, let's get your thoughts on that, and then we'll welcome uh, Coach Sonsoni in here. Yeah, I mean, in terms of assessing his game tonight, I think Ryan, you know, summarized it well in terms of just up and down. Um, I guess my biggest concern is that ultimately he was a net negative um, in terms of what he brought. And, you know, from your, your five-star guy that, you know, perhaps could be like what you're looking to be go-to, um, perhaps on offense, at least coming into the season or what folks maybe thought was going to be the case. Um, that's, that's a little concerning that it was a net negative, um, against, you know, a mid-major that was missing their best player. So that part of it is concerning, but at the end of the day, he is a freshman, he's young, there's tons of opportunities for growth. Um, we saw the growth offensively tonight. Now, maybe perhaps the next game, but we see that growth defensively. Um, you know, the famous coaching saying is the old eye in the sky don't lie. It'd be a ton of film for him to watch and a lot to dissect and you know it, it's not going to be pretty a lot of the time especially defensively but that's how you get better that's how you grow um you know i know mike Woodson is huge on the film room and, and getting those guys in there and being able to see uh where they did things well where they did things wrong so i think that part of it is important too is you know you don't just show them all the things he did wrong you show them the things he did well too. keep his confidence up especially in the offensive end and you know you hope for that growth so um, concerns, sure, um, but there were there was some areas of growth, and there's areas of opportunity for him too, which is you know kind of to be expected in mid to to late November. So all in all, you know it, it's I, I feel like I sound a little negative on this, especially on Mbako, but um, you know it's it's not always lost. I guess is what I'm saying too is like there there's still plenty of time for him to to grow into the role that we all kind of thought he'd have and. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Tony, hang out, obviously, as long as you want. I know you're about to go through an area where you might lose reception. So if we lose you, um, we do. But keep your eyes on the road. People are waiting for film room. And so we need to make sure you get home <laughs> safe and everybody gets their film room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm I am about to go through this bad area, so I'm just going to say bye just in case. Okay. And then if I hop off, I hop off. But uh, thanks for having me on, as always. Always, man. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall, it is the coach, Brian Sansoni. Coach, give us your overall thoughts, and I'd also be curious what the tone of the postgame comments were because we haven't had a chance to hear those. Yeah, I thought for 12 minutes Indiana played the kind of basketball that we all wanted Indiana to play. Uh, I thought the pace was fantastic. I wrote down out of their first 10 offensive sets, all of them would have been positive uh, as I was kind of looking at a live film room. Uh, not every one of them scored. Uh, but I, I thought what Indiana was trying to do in their first 10 possessions and having a 12-point lead with seven some odd minutes left in the first half. And then after that, all the questions came back again. Uh, so it left yeah. a, a, you know, a bad taste in our mouths, at least for me, on where is this team? Like if it's the first 12 minutes, we're going to win a lot of games. If it's the last 28 minutes, we're going to be in for a, a long season. And, and there's a lot to discuss on how that happened or why that happened. Um, but, um, yeah, Woodson was, uh, congratulations to coach Woodson. He is now a grandfather. Uh, he announced yes. that he was more, he said, I'd rather <laughs> talk about that than, than the play. I don't think he was as far as the tone of the press conference that he was too pleased, um, with, with the play he, he does. 
he did say some good things. Uh, young players sometimes have good games and sometimes have bad games, and they just got to kind of work their way through it. Uh, I do think that is legit uh, commentary. Um, but this it was just, uh, you know, a disturbing performance in the last uh, second half, especially from the starting unit, I, I thought, as a whole, together. Uh, I think the front line was fantastic. Renew and wear um, with their rebounds and that. Really pleased with that. Uh, the the rest, kind of meh um, in, in their performance. Even though there were some scoring and stats, the stat sheet doesn't tell. The offense got stagnant after the sub set out for that time. Too much dribbling, a lot of one on one, and just the outright talent was why Indiana was able to win and score. The execution and the scheme, whatever it was, didn't really work for the last 28 minutes, in my opinion. I thought it was, you know, kind of ugly basketball that uh, Indiana just was able to come out and get a win, which winning is important. So yeah. that's just a quick recap. Um, <clears throat> No, it, it's of what we look, saw. We're, we always struggle to put these early season games in context. And this is why the predictive metrics help because they help normalize things when, you know, teams are playing wildly different schedules. And the thing to know about this right state team is, you know, one thing Tony said, they didn't take a lot of threes and they were able to be successful today. Defensively, you know, they gave up 100 points to Colorado State. And I think Colorado State shot like 80% from two point range. So Indiana was really able to take advantage of their weakness inside. And now the question is, when you're facing an All-American candidate like Klingon, you know, what does that look like against UConn? You know, we'll see. We'll have time to talk about that in a bit. One other meaningful moment, and it's not really a particular moment. It's a lot of moments, and it's something I'm noticing, but I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on it because you pick up on this stuff better than I do. I, I feel like, and we talked about this a little bit with Tony just in terms of fundamentals. You know, guys not, you know, being in the right kind of stance. Coach, I feel like Indiana's trying to do a lot of stuff with their hands and arms that should be done with their feet and butt. And what I mean by that is not boxing out enough, not using the body enough on rebounds, just kind of reaching. Same thing with defense, you know, trying to use your hands to contain a dribbler instead of, you know, being down, being quicker with your feet, um, you know, trying to help with your arms instead of being down and quicker with your feet to react. Do you, am I totally out on that? I just, I feel like it's a, again, it's a young team with maybe some bad habits, but I feel like some of those things could help, you know, shore up some of the issues that we're seeing. Uh, I, I think stance is an issue. Um, it, it was not an issue tonight. I thought they were in really good defensive stance. I think, I still think the scheme has to be done per perfect. When you're in that nail slot rim, you have to know when to leave the nail to get out to a shooter. And right now, all of Indiana's guards are staying, and they're staying way too long, and the backside rotation is too slow. So it's not stance. It's not footwork. Okay. I thought they competed really well. C.J. Gunn um, yes. was fantastic, I thought, tonight in his defensive stance and pressure. We know Gabe Cups does the same thing. I thought X got beat too much tonight, to be honest, and I hope he's okay. But prior to that, I thought he gave up uh, – a lot of penetration, especially in the second half. I think Galloway gives up some too, but I thought that was okay. I just think that their communication on switching gets them out of position, and then out of position, they're in in the the help nail. They they don't react. They're not their reaction is bad. Let's just put it that way. Their reaction to what is happening in the scheme is bad and slow. Now I think that's on the players somewhat. Have to get up to speed. But you know I'm not a big fan of the nail slot rim. I'm a big fan of taking away threes. I just think the college game now is so heavy, rim and three, that you got to take away the threes and live with a little pull-up and, and get beat with some twos maybe instead of some threes because they're so 
there's so much momentum, and it keeps poorer teams in games. Uh, I just think that's been a shift in the college game in the last few years. And every coach has their philosophy, and and Woodson's going to coach his philosophy. I just think it's bad for college basketball. Um, I I think it's shifting. And and I think in order to be a top contender, you might have to shift a little bit with that at some point. And part of the issue, Ryan, I mean, you've you've already took Coach missed it, but you already ranted about three-point shooting. You know, something you find when you watch these games is, you know, the way that this goes with Indiana, it's not just the final three-point totals. It's that you give your opponents so many more opportunities for momentum builders and for momentum killers when you get something going. And it feels like Indiana is constantly trying to grind out these two-point buckets. Meanwhile, the opponents, you know, getting more threes to be able to kill a run or start a run. And that has a cumulative effect over time, too, that sometimes, you know, shows up in the stats and sometimes doesn't. Yeah, I mean, a, a, th- a splashing a three gets the crowd involved. You know, a layup is nice and people cheer it, but it's different when you have a really pretty offensive play, reverse the ball, you know, go inside, kick, drive, kick, go home off a screen and hit a three or something. The crowd gets electric. It's like a dunk. And, you know, a, a nice layup inside gets a cheer and gets the crowd excited, but it's a different level. And it also, they stop runs. That's the other thing. Is you get You answer a two with a two, you know, if a team's on a 6-0 run, they get a bucket, you come down with a two. Yeah, that's good. You hit a three, and it feels like you've stopped their momentum. And, again, a lot of it is a feel thing. But when you play really good defense, you know, and or you make them chase the three-point line, it tires them out. You can all, It also opens up the middle, which makes you means you don't have to grind out those possessions to get the absolute perfect situation in a crowded post to score a basket. When you're spreading them out, you're going to get those easy opportunities much, much more often for your big guys. So there's like a threefold, you know, reason to to be good at three-point shooting. And Indiana just doesn't do it and hasn't done it for a long time. It's been real frustrating. A couple other moments to point out real quick. You know, CJ Gunn, coach, I agree. I thought his D was really good. And also in the first half, you know, you saw him get that layup and transition. He comes down on the very next possession, gets that little 15-foot jumper from the baseline, and drilled it. And it was the first time all season I feel like we've seen him take a shot that was in rhythm, and he wasn't thinking about it. He just let it go. And I was so hoping they were going to get him a three-pointer because it seemed, you know, he's a rhythm shooter, seemed like he was ready to go. In the second half, he got out of his rhythm and airballed one. You know, and so still a work in progress with CJ with a shot. And the other one to point out, Coach, is you know, this was another game where I thought Anthony Walker really tried to do too much. Um, you know, Took a couple threes at real advised. There was one play at about the 10-minute mark in the second half. He's got the ball on the block. Caleb Banks made a great basket cut. Walker didn't see him, and that's fine. You don't expect Walker to have the vision to make passes in the post. But the possession ended with him bricking his second three-pointer of the half, which is just not a shot that he should really be taking. Um, and so, you know, offensively, you know, just some of the decisions from him in terms of when to shoot, when not to, um, you know, leaving a little bit to be desired, I think for a guy who's supposed to be more of a role player than a guy who's using as many possessions as he is when he's in the game. Yeah, I, I think CJ had a really good night short of the air ball. Um, and he got 15 minutes and he got in early in the rotation, which shows Woodson is trusting him a little bit more. I just keep hoping. I think he is the key to this season. If he can find 15 to 18 minutes and be productive, that makes Indiana that much better. As far as Walker, he had a bad night. Um, you know, uh, 
he's not a bad kid. You know, we're not you know, wanting him off off the team or anything. He had a bad night. He had a bad night defensively. He had a bad night offensively. He bricked some threes. Um, you're going to have that. He has to settle into what his role is. Woodson does, I think, a good job of trying to communicate roles to players. Um, but, you know, I won't mention the coach that I heard it from this week and covering three games, but they mentioned it's hard to play 10 players. Uh, and there's not enough minutes to get 10 players in action. That comes from another power fives coach. Um, and so when you do, uh, sometimes kids think that they have to do stuff outside of their normal role to impress. Uh, and, and that's when bad decisions. And I think Anthony fell into that, uh, tonight. He, he needs to be an energy guy, a rebounder, a screener, and a passer on the one, three, that was really bad. He had an and one to Trey. The guy was going to come out and close on him. If he just, and ones it, or one more passes to the corner, then you have a three point shooter. You want taking the three. I think Jared and Ryan, our shot selection is bad. I don't know if our players are trying too hard or trying to win, you know, get a five-point possession. I think X takes uh, shots that he, he he shouldn't. When the ball moved in the first 12 minutes, pop, 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 yep. open shots, open post feeds. When the ball dribbled and stuck, and then you try to drive through, through Trey Galloway's shot selection is not very good on the drives. No, He missed kickouts for threes. You talk about executing threes. The offense probably can generate more threes if the players would k- draw two and kick out instead of drawing two and trying to make the dipsy do over the head flying bank shot. I think our shot selection is poor as a team uh, right now. And that's, you know, we're all mad at Woodson's offense, which we can be a little bit, but I think his offense could be okay. We need better shot selection. Mm. Um, And so I just think that in general. Yeah. All right, let's do inside the numbers uh, quickly. Um, and it is time to go inside the numbers. That's brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. There are more threes in their phone number than Indiana made this evening. That is not a good thing. Um, all right, let's talk about stats. Um, I think the first one that jumps out is Indiana with 56 points in the paint, Wright State with 24 points in the paint. Coach, I would say this is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, look, you got to give Khalil Ware and Malik Renew credit. They came out to win a basketball game tonight, and those two guys go 9 of 11 for Ware, 8 of 13 for Renew, a lot of big ones late. They deserve a lot of credit for that, you know, but to think that you're going to win a lot of games moving forward, dominating people in the paint 56 to 24, you're probably not going to. So it worked tonight. It can work in some games like this. And it is nice to know that Indiana still has that ability to dominate in the paint since it's just kind of what we're used to, you know, so we can still go to that when we need to, but that balance of paint scoring to perimeter scoring, it's clearly going to have to get better. So that's an interesting stat to me, just a little double-edged sword. What numbers jump out to you? Add to that uh, 54, 54% shooting to Wright State's 41, and it was a ball game. Uh, that, that's yes. that mathematical problem, right? There the two to the three. You shot a really high percentage in 54%. The other team shot 41, and it was a ball game based on the three-point shots. I, I just want to point out uh, Malik Renew. I, I just think sometimes we, we, in general, fans, don't appreciate what we have. Eight rebounds, five assists, 
five assists, and he was getting the ball on the break, and he looked pretty good with that. I know he yeah. had a couple struggles thrown out of the post and, and had a turnover, but when you're handling the ball and you're, you're one of the top guys, you're going to make mistakes. You want your better players to, to make a few because then they're being aggressive. Eight rebounds, five assists, double-digit points, uh, and, and he was pretty impressive in the, the press conference, too, talking about he wanted to throw that lob on the break for a highlight tape. That's what he was thinking. He goes, I could lay it in, but I wanted to highlight. Uh, I kind of like that. He didn't pop his collar. He just wanted his buddy to have a highlight tape. So Malik Renew um, stats I thought were really, really solid, and as was his play. And I will say, you talk about getting more threes. I think that's an area for growth. His passing in the post is good. There also sometimes it feels like he can make the decisions quicker, especially to kick out yes. to guys on the perimeter. And so I think there are five assists for the big man. Now, he may never become what Trace was last year, but as he gets quicker with those decisions, I think you'll see some more opportunities open up. Good uh, point. Ryan, you have numbers. Uh, yeah, I do. Why are you act so surprised? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that rebounding has become an issue for this team and, uh, you know, gave up 14 offensive rebounds. But I will say only eight turnovers is uh, is a positive. And you're right. They did, they did make a high percentage of their shots. Um, they did have 20 assists on 33 makes, which is a decent percentage there. So you're okay with that. Um, six blocks as a team is another good one, too. Uh, so they are, you know, attacking when guys do get inside. The problem isn't inside. Nothing inside the three-point line really worries me defensively. It's all yeah. outside the three-point line that worries me. And the problem is going to be when you face those better teams that can, even if you defend it well, can score or talented enough to score on you on the inside, even when you defend it well, plus they get those shots from the outside. That's yeah. that's where the worry comes. But I did think there were some positive numbers, and we've talked about positive development. I mean, you know, the 20 assists is a positive development. Um, you know, they only had, uh, they only, they did have 18 fast break points too, which it felt like the last game, they didn't really get out and run very much. They certainly made that an effort tonight. And I thought the second unit was really pushing the ball when they could, especially early. And I'd like to see that unit. I, I don't think that unit is particularly good in the half court. Um, because I don't no. think there's a lead scorer there yet. And so what I would like to see is maybe that unit just kind of play havoc, you know, maybe you, maybe press with them, maybe try and get up and down the floor, things like that. Cause there is that athleticism and energy on that second unit with cups and banks and, um, and gun maybe you, and sparks even, and, and Walker is active, whether it's good activity or not, but there is activity and there's athleticism, maybe try and make that unit push the ball a, a little more. Uh, until they get more comfortable in the half court, because it doesn't look like they are right now. There's, they're not really generating anything. Yeah, and on your note about the rebounding, that you know the point that I made earlier about Indiana trying to do too much with their arms, I think it really comes out in rebounding, because we're allowing opponents to shoot a lot of threes. That leads to a lot of longer rebounds, and you see sometimes other teams getting rebounds where our guys are just standing. You know, you've got to box out and you've got to move your feet to go get those rebounds. And too often we just reach for it. It's out of our reach and we're not getting some. So, you know, some of those 14 rebounds they're just going to get because it's a weird bounce. It doesn't need to be that many. There's too much flat footed yeah, rebounding to me. Long, long, sh long shot, long rebound can be can be tough. But at the same time, with their size, that should be an issue. Yeah. Woodson addressed that in the postgame and it's on the wings and the guards. Got to have better rebounding from the wings and the guards. You look at the stats of, of the of the post players, and Renew was asked about it too, and he said, "I'm sw we're switching one through four. So there was a little strategy coming out of the press conference. They're switching one through four, which means Renew goes, sometimes I'm you know, 20, 30 feet away from the basket, yeah. so everyone needs to rebound. And Woodson was critical of his guard rebounding, saying – and there were a couple times where the guards did not put a body on someone, and that's no, when just someone standing there. moved and got that. Yeah, yeah. so – uh, Woodson just, really it, particularly hit effort. the guards and wings. 
Yeah. The big guys are rebounding, I think. Yeah, it's effort and it's recognition, you know, and, and that, you know, and this is where, and I thought X and Trey needed to be better at that, you know, and, and you missed it earlier, coach. I mean, I think this is a game where those two deserve some criticism, um, you know, for not, not doing more defensively, not doing more on the glass. Indiana's going to need more from those guys as some of these other younger guys um, get up to speed. And we love those guys, but, you know, they've been around a combined 10 years. I think it's fair to, to obviously raise the bar on what you expect from them on a game-to-game basis. Okay, coming up here on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our Game Balls and Hoosier Hustle Award. We will discuss a lingering question or two and then look ahead to what Indiana has coming up on Sunday in the Empire Classic against UConn. That is next on the assembly call. Stick with us. And I never miss a shot or an episode of the Assembly Call. All right. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It is time now for our game balls presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. You know- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, as we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, they want to make sure everybody knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation, and through service pipes of homes. You can contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention Assembly Call to get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. Just maybe don't try and contact them during games because Allie and James are in the game day chat and Discord hanging out with us. Which, and that's what I love about these sponsors. A lot of them are just audience members there right with us, uh, living and dying with these games uh, just like we are. All right, gentlemen, game ball time. Ryan, let's go to you first. I got Malik Renu. Uh, six, he didn't lead in the points category or the rebounds category, but I thought that his stretch where he took over the game there that you mentioned in the banner moment, Jared, was was the biggest part, biggest stretch of the game to really establish IU as it was going to be their game. 16 points, eight boards, five assists. Uh, he did have two turnovers, but he had a block in 29 minutes. He was plus nine. Indiana was better when he was on the floor. Eight of 13 from the floor. Please make your free throws, Malik. He was 0 of 3. Did miss a 3, but uh, 16, 8, and 5 gets him the game ball from me. 
Coach? Yeah, uh, hey, I, I like that. I'm not going to agree with you, but I like that. I liked when they outletted the ball to him to get, start the fast break like he was a point go. guard. Man, that tells me they trust him. Go, get out and go. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good choice, but I'm going to go with Ware. Uh, again, I, I just think – you know his his points and rebounds a double double twenty two and twelve uh, were the outstanding effort tonight. Uh, I, I have no problem uh, with Ryan's selection, but Ware has been really good for three games and he's gotten better every three every game. Uh, and what I like is not stat related. He is physical and he's going for rebounds and he's turning and going towards the basket instead of fading away. He's got that nice little fadeaway jumper he, he pulls a couple times, but his post moves are now stronger. Uh, and so, you know, he was, he said something I think is really good to remember whether we're happy or not happy with the program or coach Woodson or how they played coach Woodson, trust me. And, and that was the talk about Khalil Ware uh, coming in from Oregon. And it just seems like the young man has started out. It's three opponents where he could dominate. So again, you start going against UConn and the big 10, he's going to have to bring that and he's going to have to be able to face adversity. But tonight I thought he was the best player on, on the floor and a close second was renew. One thing yeah. to note real quick, those two are building a lot of chemistry. You can see it. Yes. That, you know, a high-low pass on the break. <laughs> they're really starting to, to develop some chemistry. Yeah. Um, you cannot go wrong with either one of those guys. Yeah. They're the two candidates. I'm going with Malik because I thought when Indiana needed buckets to close the game out, Malik went and got him. Um, and I just think uh, what, what I love about Malik, you know, we know, look, we're having conversations about McKenzie and Baco learning to play hard for 40 minutes while he's on the court. We had those same conversations about Malik Renew last year, but we're seeing him now play harder, more consistently. In addition to all the production you're talking about, Ryan, and he's fouling less, you know, he played 29 minutes, only had one foul tonight. And that's an excellent sign. And so uh, for me, you know, him being on the court, especially right now for this team, where they're struggling to find an offensive identity. Their offensive identity is Malik Renew on the block. When things get tight, that's where they go. And so for him to be on the court and deliver as he did, even though his numbers are a little less than Khalil, I thought that warranted uh, the game ball. But hold that thought, because I think we're going to be talking about Khalil some more uh, here coming up. So Malik gets the game ball, and that brings us now to the Hoosier Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All righty. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you to our friends at Security Pro as well. Uh, I'm going to lead things off for the Hoosier Hustle Award. Uh, I'm going with Khalil Ware. And... I know a lot of times we don't go to the big seven footer for hustle because we think, you know, the plays that really stand out for hustle is guys diving on the court and just harder for those seven foot guys to get on the court. So you don't see a lot of that, but I thought he hustled on the glass. I thought he was Indiana's best player at, you know, rebounding out of his area and not just standing there hoping for rebounds going and getting them. Uh, I thought he ran the floor really well, ran himself into an alley-oop there late. Uh, and so I thought all the things that you want to see from Khalil, he was productive, but he also played 32 minutes. 
you know, and it never seemed like he was tired out there. He was in the right place. He battled on defense. And so to me, um, you know, it's not just, hey, let's give him something because he scored the most, but Malik was game ball. I really thought you saw a lot of those things from Khalil in terms of toughness and hustle that were question marks coming in that he's now starting to bring on a game-in, game-out basis. So he gets my hustle award. Coach, who gets yours? I'm going to go C.J. Gunn. Um, I, I thought he just played really, really well. Um, his stance, his his attention to detail on defense, fighting through screens, led to a breakout, and then he hit a jumper. He's still got some things to work through to consistently hit that shot. And and, and maybe I'm just a, a big fan of his because I think if he – I've said it over and over. When he blossoms, so does Indiana. I thought tonight might be that start. Uh, he got 15 quality minutes. It looks like Coach Woodson trusts him, and I thought he just played his rear end off in those 15 minutes. So he gets the hustle award for me. Agree. And I don't know if you saw this live at the game, but when Peyton Sparks missed his third straight free throw, CJ went over and kind of talked to him and pumped him up. Really, I thought showed some good leadership. Peyton Sparks steps up, makes his next free throw. And so it's just it's nice to see those little things from guys, too, you know, for a young man who seems to be gaining more confidence, you know, by the game. And I'm with you. I'm not backing off on my prediction for him as a shooter at all. I think it's going to come around uh, and I think he'll hustle his way into it if he's, you know, uh, if nothing else. Ryan, are you going to go with somebody else? Or are you going to break the tie here between those two guys? I'm going to break the tie, and I will say that my initial thought was C.J. Gunn as well, Coach. It really was, um, and I just thought he was shot out of the cannon when he came into the game. But I'm going to also go with Khalil Ware just because I thought his rebounding and his effort on that end and the effort on the defensive end outshone everybody else tonight. And when the perimeter was a massive problem, you did not have to worry about Khalil Ware on the inside. And I think that that, you know, it's not that CJ Gunn didn't do, didn't have as much effort. He just didn't do it as long. And, and, and Cleo Ware was out there for 32 minutes and led the team in minutes. And the whole time he had the, he had the paint locked down essentially. So I, I got to give it to him. I thought he had another fantastic game. He's been, you know, we expected him to be good, I think, but he's been far better than expected given what we knew coming into the season. He has just stepped in and been very comfortable. And I'll be I'll be interested to see how that holds up against better competition. Uh, does he get discouraged when things don't go perfectly? But as for now, the questions about his effort, the questions about his ability have been answered uh, so far. And he's stepped up and, and clearly taken them head on in his answering those. So I'll, I Matt, give mine to Khalil Ware tonight. Imagine if I had told you three weeks ago before the first exhibition game that at Indiana's first five public appearances, Ware would have three game balls and a hustle award. We all would have taken that in a heartbeat. Oh, because yeah. Of the questions come. Absolutely. In motor. He's a no double double machine, man. No one's talking about those right now. And it's for good reason. And you're right. You got to see it against better competition. But I don't think you could have asked for anything more from Khalil Ware. No. In his first Especially because the assumption is he's going to continue to get better. Yes. I mean, that's so. All right, lingering questions. Chat mob, uh, drop some in there. We'll pick one. Here's my lingering question, and maybe you guys can help me with this, and maybe there's just not an answer for it. But, Coach, here's the thing I don't understand watching us defensively. We have good rim protection. Why are we so obsessed with overhelping when we have good rim protection? Doesn't it? Does, wouldn't it stand to reason that we could maybe be a little bit – you know, less intense doing that, as you said, try and maybe give up some twos, but you know, don't let guys hit threes because you have a guy back there who can protect the rim. That's the part of it that just doesn't quite compute for me 
with why we're playing the way that we are. And maybe it's just as simple as this is the coach's philosophy and it's how we're going to do it. I just struggle with it when I'm watching because it's like you have help. So you don't need to do this quite so much. Yeah, I, I agree totally. I think it's scheme. I think uh, it's an NBA scheme. And in the NBA, you don't want action in the lane because they're so darn good. They can rise up and do things. They can find people. And you'd rather take your chances with someone shooting from three, even though the NBA players can shoot good well from three as well. I think it's a little different in the college game. Um, and so I think it's more that we're already in help and we're slow to get out of it as opposed to overhelping. I know every one of us say overhelp, um, but we are put in help, and then that puts our eyes on the ball, and so we stay in that help, and we either lose our guy or we're far away from the closeout because it's it's get to the nail. It's not be in a help position and help if needed. It is you are helping all the time, all the time, by being on the nail or being off your guy in a certain amount of space. Um and I, I just think that's that's different, uh, and we stay too long uh, in that. And your rim protection comment is 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 absolutely uh, correct. I don't understand, guys, why we were doubling on the post up from the strong side wing, and then that kick out forces a rotation. I, I with with I I, with the size advantage, that piece of the defensive strategy tonight was shocking. They must have seen something where they wanted to get the ball out of those guys' hands or or certain players. I, I wasn't paying attention to who they were trapping on that, but the guards were digging down heavy tonight, and I hadn't seen that for a while. So I think we're put in help by scheme, and we uh, the players right now are struggling when understanding how soon and how fast they have to leave to cover shooters. Ryan, do you have anything on that one? No, he got it. He, he, he assessed it perfectly, honestly. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, coach is a coach. He nailed it. I can't, I got nothing to add. Um, all right. You know, I think the other obvious lingering question is, is this team ready for better competition? We're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick Sunday. Uh, I think if you asked all of us, I think, I would love to see this team face someone who's kind of ranked like somewhere between 40 and 80 in Ken Palm, which would be a step up. I don't think we're ready for the number four team in the country. That's the defending champs, but we'll see. There's no reason for us to try to answer that right now because the team's going to answer it on Sunday and y'all probably aren't going to like our answers based on what we've seen through three games. So let's go to Charles question. Ryan, I'll go to you first with it. Why have Xavier and Trey at this point regressed on perimeter D? Um, I, I think they've been they've been less than what I was expecting. He says that's the biggest defensive weakness and 100% why threes are killing us. Obviously, we'll still take what X is giving us, so hopefully he's healthy because we need him fully healthy. But I think we also need those guys to be a little bit better. Ryan, are you seeing anything for why you know they they haven't been as good as we thought, or were maybe the expectations even a little bit too high? No, I don't think that's it. I, th- I think it's the fact that their teammates are not matching their intensity on every play, and I think it's making everybody regress. I, I think that has a lot to do. I think it puts your good defenders on the back foot when everybody else is off and, and not you know doing what they're supposed to do, and the rotations are off, and I, I just think – I, I think that it's just affecting everybody. And, and when the team plays well together defensively, you know, it, it, it will all fall into place. But individually, yeah, I think that it's just a symptom of the whole defense having a problem. And maybe trying I to think, do too much, too, to make up for other guys. Okay. That's it. Um, when you have kids, um, players who care, like Trey and X, they care. But they're doing – eight different jobs on the court and you can't be good when you do eight 
different jobs. They have to do their job. And when you're trying to get people in help and you're trying to make sure they're switching and you're trying to make sure you're doing that, I, I just think that's X's situation on offense and defense. He's pointing, trying to get people in the right spots. He's in charge of calling the plays. Uh, the, these guys need to be freed up by their teammates. I think they need to be freed up by their, their coaching staff to do what X and do what Trey do. Instead, and right now they have to carry a lot of a lot of pressure. I just think they're trying way too much, and then they think they're thinking for four people instead of just one, and then they they make a mistake themselves. That that's what I see so far in the in the first three games. All right, so coming up here for Indiana on Sunday, it is the Empire Classic. The Hoosiers face the defending champion UConn Huskies on Sunday. We will have a post game show immediately following. And then based on what Indiana does in that game, they will then play Monday. I think if they lose, they play earlier Monday, like 4.30 or something like that. And then the championship game of the Empire Classic, I believe, is 7 o'clock on Monday. But the big focus Sunday is obviously UConn. They're the defending champs. Now, we don't know a ton about them right now. They have faced number 239, Northern Arizona, number 349, Stonehill, number 352, Mississippi Valley State. And they have dominated all of those games. Um, and obviously baked into their number four ranking is a lot of stuff from last season. So how good are they without Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson and some of the guys they lost? We don't know. But what we do know is they have an excellent center in Donovan Klingon, who is, you know, Khalil Ware faced this UConn team last year and had a good game. But that'll be a big matchup. I know their star freshman, Stefan Castle, is injured and I believe missed their last game. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to go for Sunday, but that is something to watch. And then obviously keep an eye on Cam Spencer, who killed Indiana last year from three uh, for, uh, for Rutgers. He is now playing uh, for UConn and is off to a great start this season. Alex Caraban is another guy who can really make some threes. So UConn certainly has the personnel to be able to take advantage of some of the openings Indiana has been leaving defensively. And I think if Indiana defends against UConn as they have these last couple of games, it's going to be a very long afternoon. If this Indiana team shows us, hey, this is just kind of a team right now that plays to its competition and they have another gear they can kick into and X is healthy enough to go. Now I think you've got an ability to make this a competitive game. Um, but, you know, any any quick thoughts on this, coach, as we uh, as we head into it? I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, UConn is a, a decided uh, favorite. Ken Palm currently has them 79 to 68, you know, winning the game. That seems pretty fair based on what we've seen. Um, you know, what do you think are, I mean, the keys seem relatively obvious, but just what are your thoughts on, yeah. on what we'll see on Sunday? Well, we, we can hope for a very, you know, concentrated, concerted effort when you play a team like that. Sometimes you get your best performances. Um, you know, these are, these are young guys that they know that these first three games, and I think they will be focused for a couple of reasons. They haven't played their best basketball in, in the first three games, and they know going in New York City, the mecca of basketball, sometimes things happen like that for the positive. Right now, it doesn't seem like Indiana can compete with UConn. They got to shore up their rebounding, shore up their three-point defense. They got to move the ball like they did for 40 minutes, like they did for the first 12 minutes, in order to just compete. That's a big task going into Sunday. But crazier things have happened, and that's why we're fans. We're all going to watch, and we're going to root for it. Uh, I would expect a better performance, even against tougher competition. I'm not sure what you know that the result is going to be what, what we want it to because this team's just not there yet. Ryan? Thoughts on yeah, I, I mean, the concerns stand. 
I, I really am concerned about the three-point line on both ends and, and what's going to happen when they face better competition. Uh, Ware and Renew have been great, basically bailing Indiana out so far, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens against good competition. And there are going to be six straight games that are going to be really tough for Indiana. Um, Harvard, you know, not really tough, but it's a game they should win. But Harvard is a decent team. It lo- looks like a very decent team. So uh, it's it, this is going to be a rough stretch, and Indiana really has to find a way to weather it. And the way they weather it is by evening out that three-point disparity. It's It's a wide gulf right now, and it needs to come together. They don't have to win it but it can't be 24, 27 points. It needs to be closer. UConn takes almost half their shots from three-point range. If anybody needed some nightmare fuel before going to bed tonight. Um, all right, last thought for you guys before we wrap up. Ryan, you mentioned the stretch facing, and these are their Ken Palm rankings. Number four, UConn. Number 146, Harvard in Indianapolis. Number 46, Maryland. Number 24, Michigan. Number 23, Auburn. Number three, Kansas. Ryan, if I told you right now you could lock in two victories in this stretch, would you take it, or would you hold out for more? Two of go two and four in this stretch. You could lock if it they're in. if they're the two Big Ten games, yes. Because you would assume that Indiana can beat Harvard, obviously. Okay, they'll well, be. If one of them is a Big Ten game, then yes. Coach, would you lock in two victories, or would you say no? I'm rolling the dice. I feel this team can do better just based on how no, you I, I think you got to, I think you got to roll the dice and, and hope that there's three or four weeks in this stretch of improvement. Uh, because if you only beat Harvard and one of those teams, uh, the prospects of making the tournament are, they do take dead. a really big hit because of, of the non-conference losses and, and you don't have some big wins on, on your schedule. You're going to have to find a way, um, to do some things. And like Ryan said, you got to win your big 10. So I would hope that you could pull out the win here at home against Maryland. Michigan looks to be a lot better. Uh, I understand the concept. Like if we get two wins, that might be what, where we're at right now is to get two wins would be good. Um, but I'm hoping we, we can play like we did that first 12 minutes against good competition at some point sooner rather than later. I'm with you. I'd be tempted to take the two just to lock it in. But there, there's more potential there, you know, and that's the maybe. Thing. I mean, there's you know? definitely more potential. I'm just thinking it's early in the season. I'd take I one win over one of those teams. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, fortunately, we don't have to make that bet. We nope. can just show up for every game it. and see how they do, and hope that they uh, hope that they do better than that. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here with us tonight. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code Home Two Three at checkout to get fifteen percent off your first order. That's home23 at homefieldapparel.com. All right, time for last call. Ryan, final thoughts on Indiana's nine-point victory over Wright State. Yeah, look, the, the the opening three games, they had to win them, and they did. And and you've seen some really good stuff from Malik Renew and Cleo Ware, and that, that's a positive. Uh, we've got to hope that the rest of the team comes along. I mean, you've seen you know spurts of good stuff from the other guys, but but not consistently. So I would say, uh, you know, they accomplished what they needed to. Uh, it didn't look the way we'd hoped it would. And this team really has to improve rapidly over the next few weeks if they're going to make the tournament and be in the conversation moving forward. They really, really do. And we knew it would be a slow start. We knew that it would take a while for these guys to get on the same page, but uh, it it needs to come quick because, you know, playtime's over. Uh, This is where it gets real. Coach? Yeah, this this wasn't, 
you know, the three games are wins, and, and they're better than losses, but it wasn't good basketball. Um, there, there were glimpses uh, of it, but uh, you have to get better in a hurry. Uh, this type of performance gets you beat 20-25 on Sunday, I, I believe. Um, you know, and then you talk about that stretch. There's not a team in that stretch that this kind of performance, a lack of movement on offense and rebound, all the things we've talked about, that you'll win too many games in that stretch without getting better. Except for but Louisville. it is early. We forgot about the potential game against Louisville where you could play poorly and probably win. So forgot about them. <laughs> not a lock the way we've played for the first three. I'm just being honest. This, this has not been the start that we all wanted, and it's just not really good quality basketball right now. It's winning basketball against the competition. Um, but it, it, we, we just got to hold out hope that, that it gets better uh, quicker or quickly, yeah, I, I should say. I agree with you guys. Some things to like tonight. You know, we talked about the keys to the game beforehand and getting off to a good start was my number one key. That happened. You know, my number two key was getting McKenzie Mbako going. He wasn't great, but he was better. This was the best McKenzie Mbako performance we've seen. Got himself going offensively. I think if you can get him that's the same seven three-pointers with the same quality of looks, I think on most nights he's going to hit two to four of them. And so that would help that look a little bit better. So that was good. And my third key was, you know, how does CJ and Caleb play? And I thought you saw growth from both of those guys. I thought Caleb got back. We haven't talked about him much, but I thought he got back to being kind of the, you know, the, the hustling guy and cutting that we've seen, you know, not just trying to settle for jumpers and do some other things. So from the starting unit and some individuals, there were some things that happened tonight that you feel good about. But, boy, from a team defense perspective and some of the other stuff, a lot of things to still be concerned about. So Indiana wins. Winning matters. There's a lot of teams around the country that would trade their record for Indiana right now because they stubbed their toe, and Indiana hasn't. Um, and that is important. So they've got that foundation of three victories, but now they head out to the Empire Classic in New York. And we will get a good early season test of how good this Indiana team really is. And then a lot of tests to follow. So hopefully they're ready for it. Hopefully Xavier Johnson is ready for it. That's kind of the thing that's lingering over this show that we don't know as we look forward. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. We're going to learn a lot about these Hoosiers on Sunday. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to substack.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back on Sunday to talk IU hoops again with you once again. Until then. Take it from me, Anthony Leo. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. She's going to have to wait. It's a couple hour drive. <laughs> she is going to. All right, guys. Wait. I got to go. <laughs> hey, by the way, I See just got to read this one tweet from Damon Bruce. He's got a quote. Joe Burrow lost his throwing hand in a blender accident for making frozen margaritas, attributed to Carissa Thompson. That's funny. Just funny. Funny stuff from David Bruce. A lot of thoughts on that one, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get that joke, Carissa Thompson basically admitted today that she made up some sideline Gotta reports. Go. Gotta go. See you, Ryan. So, David Bruce, fellow IU grad. That's funny. That's good. Good quality media humor right there. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for being here. It always adds a lot when you are reporting live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Well, 
I have the ability to to come down here. Thank thankfully for the the IU athletic department allows us to have a media pass. Um, so I want to take advantage of it, but I don't want to leave you hanging for the shows. And I don't mind talking, so um, no, I just bring the mic and sit up here and well, you get a different get a hot coffee too. for the ride home. Yeah, yeah. It was it was weird here. It was weird here um, at the hall. You know, limited crowd. The the drive down was horrible. It took me extra forty five minutes with construction. So I wonder if that had something to do. The soccer was going on, but it, the crowd just never got into the flow like they did that first game I was down here. And you yeah. just sense some apprehension right now with with how the guys are are, are playing a, a little bit. And, and and I went through it. I was so excited. I was writing down every possession for the first ten, and I had check marks going. And and then all of a sudden, you know. The second unit did okay, and then that 752 mark when those starters came back in, man, it just hit you like a brick. Like, come on, guys, don't don't go back to this. And it, ne- it never seemed to to get going. But Tony uh, talked about that. I thought you were going to bring it up because you were talking about it in the Discord about the starters sitting too long. It really did seem to mess up yeah. the rhythm that they had built. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's part of that trying to play ten. It, it's just tough to play play ten guys. Um, yeah. and, and so anyway. Um, Hey, my guy, my buddy Dale just said, "Have a safe trip home." Thanks, Dale. Dale, if you're in Assembly Hall and I'm here, you got to come see me. It's a long right. climb up to the nosebleeds where I'm at it, it but come <laughs> up and say hello. Um, Dale and I talked at a baseball game once uh, out in the outfield. Uh, just really, really good dude. That's but awesome. anyway, I got to go. Uh, I got to try to teach tomorrow. Um, go, <laughs> you, you know, get home late. So Do it. keep keep the faith. Email. Yep. Keep the faith, everybody. We'll see yep. you. See you, Coach. See everybody. We'll talk to you Sunday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. (laughs) AutoTrader.